Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Star Trek Culture on Culture Slate, a weekly podcast on what's new in Star Trek. We will start off with some Star Trek news and happenings within the last week, and then we will go on to talk about Season 3, Episode 1 of Star Trek Discovery, That Hope Is You, Part 1. So, Stephen, what news do you have for us to share? Well, there wasn't a whole lot, but I guess in general, just the fact that, you know, Discovery is here, I'm very excited. It's a 13-episode season, so it'll be going into, like, early January, you know, on a weekly basis. So it'll be fun having us, like, talk about each episode week to week. Agreed. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I actually got to do something really fun. This week, for me, was a lot of a lot of Trek, actually. We have the announcement of Janeway with Prodigy, yeah. uh, the Star Trek Prodigy show. Then I did Trek Out the Vote, where literally 19-plus stars of all the franchises of Star Trek basically came out in support of a particular candidate for about three hours. <laughs> and we had a trivia contest. We got to watch uh, Jonathan Frakes tell Yang that he was part of the Yang Gang. That was kind of cute. It was fun. But uh, yeah, I just I, it was a fun thing to watch. I didn't get to stay for the whole thing. I wish I could have, but it uh, the part that I did have was just very uplifting, and, and it was just nice to see. And Budajeg and and Yang are definite Trekkies. I'm really impressed with their knowledge. Really, really impressed. Um, right, and, and it's like no matter who you support, it's just like go out and just vote, vote please. Just, just vote. It's the one equalizer we've got in this nation. The other thing I got to do was actually go to the virtual premiere of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. They showed us two episodes, so I'm a little ahead of you, Stephen. Yeah. And I'm going to keep my mouth. <laughs> so. No, not really. I'm happy for you. <laughs> well, it, you know, um, I had a picture that I took with my friend Jeremy Sewell, who does a lot of our um, photography with some green screen stuff, and I submitted that. But one of the other things that I didn't know if they were going to pick me or not. They actually ended up, I think, picking everybody. And I really applaud CBS for doing that because cosplay is expensive. You know, it can be as expensive or inexpensive as you make it. And not everybody can afford a lot of extra costuming. And the fact that they let everybody in that submitted an entry just shows that they care about everybody. They're not special, um, uh, putting fans in special classes or even, you know, in a, in a weird way, you know, socioeconomic classes, because I couldn't afford something more. I maybe didn't get a ticket. No, they took the other, the higher road and they let everybody in that submitted a, um, a photo. And for me in particular, what I, um, I watched the catwalk, which was one of the videos that you got to watch in between the two episodes. And we had a lovely host that was an Andorian and she actually read my statement out loud and, um, my cosplay, is an Ahura style uh, communications officer, but a South Asian one, because obviously I'm South Asian. So I, um, and we didn't have a whole lot of representation in uh, TOS. And um, so it was just my way of kind of melding the two together. But hey, um, on to That Hope Is You part one. So what are your thoughts overall? Um, so, you know, coming off the heels of the first two seasons is like, you know, the first one, it started off seeming kind of bleak, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It was very thrilling. 
Season two feels more optimistic, kind of harkening back to the original series, especially with the inclusion of Captain Pike and Spock and number one and all that. So, you know, that season ended on a really interesting cliffhanger, seeing how, like, we would be thrust, like, very far into the future of Star Trek, I think, maybe even further than we've ever been before, possibly. I think you're right. Um, So... Yeah, this is the year 3188, and Michael Burnham is, like, separated from the Discovery crew, and, um, well, so first we have, like, that first scene before that, and I I think it pretty much sums up my overall thoughts on this episode, which is that some parts of it are so confusing that they're not very accessible for newcomers trying to get into Trek. I, um, I so what do you think of that opening scene with uh, Sahil? So the opening scene was confusing for a number of reasons because you just didn't know who this character was. I loved the meticulousness of, of what he was doing. I thought it was kind of an interesting world that he was in. But at the same time, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and is he an android? Is this, you yeah, know... He has that bird along the Right, <laughs> right. And he brushes his teeth the same way every day, but he seemed to, you know, he, he seemed to be dutifully doing something and is waiting to talk to somebody. And I also kind of thought of Battlestar Galactica, the revamp where they send somebody out to talk to the Cylons that just sits there every day. And I'm like, wait, is this related? Are we going to like, is there a Picard connection? I don't know. It was too far in the future for me to say anything. I just know um, we are, we as a knowledgeable audience know that the Federation is no more. And Burnham's about to leap into this world. We think this is that world. We're not sure even. But then, of course, we get Burnham bursting out of that wormhole. She runs into a ship like a fly on a like a fly on a windshield yeah. kind of thing, and um, they both crash on this planet in two separate areas. And I liked the performance that was given here for for Burnham because she's going through a lot of trauma and it's um, just forcing herself. She's like, you know, stand up, walk. It, it, it was it was very deliberate. And I really liked the way Sneeko played that because it was clear that she was in her emotions, feeling it already, you know, but still trying to be the scientist and the logician that she is also like, nope, I gotta, I have to march forward. And I, I really liked that part. Yeah. And I think as she was crashing down, um, you know, she was telling the computer full system reboot. And I thought that was kind of funny because like, each season of Discovery feels like a soft reboot <laughs> like compared to the previous season. But probably this one even more because it's a different time period. So I don't know if that was deliberate, but I thought that was kind of funny. It's interesting And I, yeah, I do agree that Samika Martin Green is a great like performer. She acts really well and it's like I totally believe like yeah. what she's conveying on the screen. Yep. Yep, definitely. And then the next part we get to is um, the the first person that she sees. Right. He's nameless for for a while there while they fight it out. Um, I kind of didn't understand why she needed to know his name so bad, <laughs> but I think it just yeah. became like a thing where she's like, "No, no, no, you're gonna tell it to me, and we're gonna beat it up out of each other." It's it's like it can make a dangerous drinking game of all the time she asks him what his name. Is. Yes. Yes, I would. I would not be sober after that one for sure. <laughs> but yeah, you have that like classic hand to hand combat you see in Star Trek, and it's like eventually we do see that um, 
like we do eventually get his name like like us the audience we'd already heard from the creatives behind the scenes that his full name is Cleveland Booker um, but it's not until he brings um, Michael onto a ship that he reveals he, he introduces himself as Book and like he has his cat named Grudge yes Grudge is a Maine Coon rescue and a star of the show in his own right. And um, I actually have a Maine Coon mix that adopted me back in Dallas uh, about 10 plus years ago. And Maine Coons are basically dogs, very furry dogs that look like cats. They are um, loud right. and yeah, uh, they're, they're very social <laughs> for cats. But also, they are still cats, and so they will knock the stuff off of your your counter. So I, I can't wait to see what Grudge does to like you know ruin space flight for a book. Um, yeah, I have a Chihuahua, and he, I don't know if the listeners will hear him moving around, but like this gets me thinking. We should have like just a non-canon Star Trek animated series called Star Trek Pets. And include Grudge, Spot, and Porthos, yes. and all, all, all of them. I wanted to see more of Porthos. I mean, as much as I loved Enterprise, I wanted more Porthos. We didn't get enough Porthos. Yeah, I, I mean, this isn't a knock against the characters of Enterprise, but yeah. I think Porthos is the best character on that show. <laughs> I'll fight you on that one, but I still like Porthos, too. So I was like, no, 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 it's better characters, but, well, you know, he's he's the best non-human character. How's that? <laughs> I mean... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll table that for our epic rewatch, which we're going to start um, soon enough. I think next year it's going to hit hit us pretty yeah, quick. It's I like think sometime after uh, Discovery season one yeah. ends, we'll be yeah. doing a rewatch and release order, and we'll like figure out like how many we'll do at a time, like how many episodes. But yeah, that's kind of a glimpse <laughs> at the future, much like how Michael gets a glimpse of the future right. here when she learns about. The burn. What'd you think of how Book explained the burn to her? Well, because he he didn't experience it. It happened 120 years before he was even born. So we actually learned very little about it, except that, you know, dilithium can explode everywhere. And I was telling you earlier, this reminded me of one of my favorite book series, Hyperion Cantos by Dan Simmons, where the first two books in the Cantos, like there's a lot of technology and the technology just, it, it, it dies and it strands humanity in you know different places. And it's the fall of humanity really. And so I'm looking at this as like, okay, that's the, that causes the fall of the Federation. So I'm expecting to see a lot more um, dystopia and, and I'm, you know, I'm not getting it yet. Right. I'm not seeing that dystopia yet. His, right. his ship's pretty cool. He just has to, you know, um, run it, you know, on economy fuel, if you will. And, you know, he's being chased, by the way. We actually glossed over this, but not on, um, a little bit on purpose. But the alien that he's being chased by looks to be an, an, an amalgam of Klingon and even maybe Romulan. He is speaking Klingon, um, to book, but he is definitely of mixed species. At least that's what he looks like to me. And, uh, so we know there's some other stuff going on, you know, People are still like trying to make a living, still trying to eke it out. Um, and, uh, so he's needing dilithium to transport something that other people seem to want. And that's all we know about him. 
But right. as far as the burn itself, um, I'm, I'm left wanting. I'm like, okay, so the dilithium explodes. Why? And he's not the guy to tell you. Then that's something you just have to know about book. He's not the guy that's going to know. And, um, we, we're going to have to discover it with Burnham herself. Yeah. And it's interesting that we're getting this story now because there's something kind of similar going on with, Star Wars, like they have their upcoming publishing project called The High Republic, and it involves like um this collision against a ship that is in hyperspace, and that causes like the shards of it to like spread across a galaxy, so it's like a galaxy wide disaster. And so mm. I kind of got those like similar vibes here. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. But also, how some people are using dilithium as currency and it's like for several years I've had this idea for a fantasy story where like currency um like there are th- there's this form of currency but like it can possibly explode at any moment and so it's like do you want to risk that or not <laughs> so I thought that was like weird experience seeing that if that reminds me while watching this. I've got um I used to uh receives Latham's quarterly and I love it. It's a quarterly periodical that looks at one subject matter very, very intensely. And um I have the currency one, I'll give it to you because it's it's a it's a good read. It's a very dense read. It does take a quarter to get through it and really absorb anything that they talk about. I mean they talk about very uh, broad topics like currency, peace, philanthropy, that those kinds of big topics. It, it's really well done. You, you as an English literature um, journalism person would love it to death, I think, uh, for sure. Uh, now going forward, they go to the market. <laughs> I just like to, I just like to say it that way because I thought it was kind of cute. Like, book yeah. and burn go to the market. And, you know, they traverse the best parts of Iceland. And I know, I know that you're on my case about like breaking out of the, you know, the suspense, but yeah, I recognize I it from another movie. Thing. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, I do recognize this place. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I don't remember if they confirm the name of the planet. I think Burnham mentions, um, it's, a uh, Terralesium, and then I think Book says Pima, so, yeah. like, but I'm probably gonna forget the planet name anyway. It, it just looks beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And you, and this then feeds into my, um, idea that this is very much like the, the Hyperion Cantus. It's like, oh, okay, man is pretty, or, like, humanity, or, the galaxy is pretty much in, in shambles and we're returning to more of a natural state. But then we come upon Requiem and there's, bam, there's the city. <laughs> so we actually, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that it was such so much city in one spot. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll, I'm okay with that. Um, and you learn how the couriers get their dilithium. They bid for um, items to carry and they had just enough dilithium to actually do their particular run and it's only if they have special things can they barter for extra dilithium to do other things and what they're trying to do is get burnham's antiques to yeah. <laughs> uh, to get some extra dilithium and uh, then we get to the double cross of course book we don't know him very well uh we know more it's about him <laughs> That's very true. (laughs) It was was out there. Yeah, no, no. Go for the pun, man. Always. Always go for the pun. So then um, my favorite part comes up next, which is uh, they get Burnham High. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This reminded me of an episode of Hannibal Season 2 where uh, 
Hannibal gives Mason Berger, uh, another villain character, some drugs, and, like, he starts hallucinating, and I think it's funnier in that episode, but <laughs> this was still funny to see, like, Burnham is emoting more than we're used to, right. and, like, I- I'm sure, uh, Sonika had a lot of fun, like, doing those expressions oh, totally. and saying all those lines. I also, um, watching that on the premiere with some of my friends, uh, in our Star Trek, uh, LA Away team, shout out to those guys, they, <laughs> One of them brought something up, and it's also another Trek reference, right? It's uh, she was thinking that it reminded her of Whoopi Goldberg in a particular scene in New Jack City, and I was thinking, yeah, it's a little bit of that. Uh, but also, doesn't um, doesn't Hannibal have a Discovery connection as well? Uh, not just Star yes. Trek, but also Discovery. Yes. Yeah, so Brian Fuller uh, pretty much ran that whole show, ran Hannibal, and. When Discovery was being developed, like he was a huge part of that. There's even a character um, on. I think there's a there are two characters on. Um, like each show has a character with the last name Stamets, which is named after a scientist who's like studied mushrooms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and you know he was very involved with Discovery early on before they I guess change hands and possibly direction. I don't know all the full details, but. Yeah, so there is a discovery and Hannibal connection. <laughs> nice. Yep, yep. So okay, so then we um she reveals the name of the career that uh the Andorians and the Aurelians need to find. Then, you know, we get to this epic chase scene through the other uh, good parts of not Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> uh we get to this uh Burnham gets gets hit or she gets hurt. And then we discover that book's not even human. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's getting cooler. Like, his mystery, like, just when you think his mystery is solved, he's, like, a whole other species in this case. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. We don't know what species he is, though, right? They have not made an announcement about that. I I cannot right. find it. And yeah, I stayed I off memory, think, so memory alpha. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the people working on the show have said, like, what exactly he is. They've just said, like, his name and how he and Burnham will have like contrasting perspectives. And we do get that in this episode. Like it's very clear that they have some differences, but also maybe some similarities. So I'm interested to see like more of their sort of interplay. Yeah. 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 I think, I think we'll get some, uh, some more information about them in the near future for sure. Now with, with them chasing each other, you know, like the um, the Requiem Courier Guild, if you will, uh, chasing them through uh, through the planet. What you also noticed, uh, and we didn't bring this up as far as future tech, was the personal transporters. Now everyone seems to have a personal transporter. And it seems to have abilities to transport people in an immediate range around them. So, like, Sonique would... I'm sorry, not Sonique. Burnham didn't have one. <laughs> so, would, maybe she has one off the set. I don't know. Uh, but maybe... Uh, but Burnham doesn't have one, but she seems to be able to transport with Book. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And to get back to where that ship is. And um, did you notice that... Um, I, I'm forgetting his species, and he's one of my favorite characters, Morn. There was a Morn um, species character that was one of the guys chasing him. Oh, that was kind of funny. I, was like, oh, oh, I, don't, I don't think I know this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know Morn's species. I'm forgetting either, it. That his name is Norm backwards. Yes. And <laughs> and he... I wish we'd gotten a whole Morn-centric episode <laughs> other than, like, 
when everyone was like really sad about his alleged passing. <laughs> like like in the in the series finale of DS9, they should have included him like just sitting and you get like a montage of like all the times that we've seen him and it's just him sitting <laughs> like with sentimental music to it, like with the other montages. That would have been amazing. Well, and you know, we love him so much we actually have a Facebook group called Mornhub, so you know, I will I will leave that alone, but it's what it's a it's a favorite proof of mine run by a really good guy named Ben, so I'll leave it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll if you want to have some fun with it with Star Trek, you know, in a loving way, it's still it, Mornhub and and I'm I'm gonna curse one time shit posting. Uh, those two sites are uh, some of my favorite Facebook groups. Uh, a lot of fun. Actually, kind of helped me through the the COVID times, just keeping us all laughing about our favorite show. So anyway, we we learn what um, book is actually transporting. And did you catch the species name? I uh, tried to write it down, but you know, watching it so many times, I'm like, wait, what is that species called again? It it was an endangered species. And I want to say it was referenced yeah, maybe I before. Didn't catch the name, yeah. but this is the one that like tries eating burnout. Yes, right? like Boimler. Uh, well, so we know yeah. the the species. You know, it eats the rest of the people, and um, the Morn species guy gets away. I was really happy to see that. It was really sad when I realized that the the worm was going to be eating everybody. I was like, but I don't want him to eat the Morn guy. <laughs> so he got away. That was good. Um, uh, thank you, writers, for not killing off Morn <laughs> or Morn's ancestor uh, descendant, I should say. That um, then um, the next scene um, we get. Um, Burnham gets sucked into the um, into the worm, and the worm also spits her out. And it reminded me of Lower Decks. Yeah, like we talked about yes. this, and yeah. I was like saying how it actually reminded me of R two D two getting spit out on Diggler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's weird thinking now how Boimler and Burnham sounds kind of close together, like phonetically. They're writing rooms like next to each other, and they just sort of like. You know, subconsciously. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think it. I think I. I like the levity that they injected into it because otherwise, I mean, Burnham can be kind of serious. I did have some friends who kind of want to see Burnham high all the time because I felt <laughs> that it was um, the best. They, that's the best um, they seen the character. And they like the show. They love Discovery. Don't get me wrong. They were actually on the season premiere with me last night, but. Um, their thought on Burnham as a character was that she was sometimes too serious, and uh, so they they love seeing her high. <laughs> anyway, so we actually get to drop off uh, the uh, the species to a sanctuary, and you find out that Book is actually smuggling species to the sanctuary to rescue them. Whereas basically, this uh, and I'm going to say this pun: um, this other species was worm food. Get it? It was worm food. Anyway, um, but while he's on the planet, you can kind of tell uh, that he and and Burnham are starting to trust each other. So we finally get back to our opening scene guy, Sahil. Sahil. <laughs> yes. And um, Sahil's played by Adil Hussein. So going back to even further in this conversation about representation and South Asians being represented. So Adil Hussain is actually um, from Bengal, Assam, like me, so, or I'm Bengali, but, you know, it's from my part of the world, and he's starred in a lot of Bengali language films, and I recognized him, so I was 
very, very, very happy to see him there. I got a little verklempt. Um, when I realized who it was, because in the opening scenes, I didn't get a good look at him. And it was only until the end I started to recognize him when Book introduces Burnham to him and she tells him who he is. And I love the subtlety and the way he played that role. And you understood a bit more about him and what he was doing and the diligence with which he was doing this duty. He's not a commissioned officer. He's just waiting to be able to piece together the the uh, the Federation. And you also learn how broken the Federation really is. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of, okay, so this made me wonder, like, do you think that Star Trek has become too dreary compared to previous shows? Yes. Or do you think that we kind of need this in order to see that we can be more hopeful and optimistic even in dark times like these. You know, um, I agree with you about uh, it going very dystopian. And until you said uh, the last bit, I didn't think about it in those terms. Like, (laughs) no, yeah, yeah, but you are, you are. There's thought about like, you know, we have to take it. um, Well, we are living in a really strange time. So I think for a lot of us, the notion of having something to hope for is kind of, it's nice to see even in, even in our imaginary worlds um, like this one. So I am glad that they are not as dystopian as they could have gone. There are a lot of, there's a lot of dystopia out there. In fact, I think in entertainment weekly, there's a, a note about how, um, what was it? Five minutes ago was like certain kinds of dystopia and what kind of dystopia is in now. And really there's a oh, backlash. Like yeah. Subgenres. Yeah. The different kinds of subgenres that are, um, we're falling out of, um, there's too much. There's a saturation of dystopia now, which is a weird thing to say. It's like we, we really needed to, you know, um, you know, American pop culture really, really needed to go deeper into like a depression. And then, then we woke up and found ourselves in the reality that we we're in and we're like, maybe, maybe we went too far with this. I think that's kind of what we're saying. We need, we well, need I mean, to hope back. still getting strange new worlds which will probably be less dystopian so i have heard that also that they really want to take it back to a more positive tone and they are going to make it more episodic in nature and you know i can talk about my um thoughts on the name i'm not a fan of the name strange new strange new worlds oh, yeah. i actually love the name. i don't at all oh we'll talk about that later we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> with um with this show, with uh, going back to the series, we also learned that Sahil wants to raise the flag, but only a commissioned officer can. And that's when he tells Burnham, you know, the tagline of the episode set, you know, I had lost hope and um, that hope is you. But I also want to take it back to where he said, but she was trying to scan for her ship. She can't find it. And she's um, kind of nervous now and you know, as Sahil says, by the laws of temporal dynamics, um, they might have landed in the future, the past, if you don't see them here. So we don't know where, where the discovery is. And guess what? He can only go 600 light years out because all the long range scanners are busted. So all the different sectors can't talk to each other. And I briefly thought, oh, Shazbot, this whole thing is going to be, um, a whole series of 13 episodes of them fixing long range scanners. I don't want that to be the, you know, because I was like, this is not good. This is not good. How are we going to piece this together in 13 episodes? <laughs> I kind of hate knowing how many episodes there are sometimes because that makes me think too hard about how they're going to solve it. 
and I can't enjoy it. <laughs> so I don't need to. See, I think it's better that they're doing 13 episodes as opposed to like, what day it used to be like 22, 26? Oh, yeah, no. 13 works yeah. well for serialized. I, I agree. I mean, 13 is enough. I, you know, let's not uh, rehash Game of Thrones in 8. But <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, 13 is a nice middle of the road number. I think 20, um, original series, I think, used to do 26 to 29 episodes. And then when you got into TV in the 80s and 90s, it was 24 to 22 episodes typically. And now that we're online, uh, we're down to 10 to 13 episodes. So depending on the show. I mean, I do like that they're not trying to include excess stuff. Yeah. At least that's the vibe that I get. Because I feel like some stories can be told in 13 episodes, some can be told in 8, and it's like, just tell it in the amount of episodes that it feels like you need. Yeah. Don't include padding and whatnot. Yeah, to your point about that, like, the difference um, in watching media from overseas, like, um, you know, just growing up with multiple language medias, everything was serialized in a sense like, you know, you didn't necessarily have another season. It was a, um, a lot of shows were very compact and very complete and they might come back for another run, but it wasn't ever guaranteed. Whereas American television, it was, you know, 20 something episodes every season. You knew what you were going to, it was like, what are they going to do every single time? And I, I think a lot of shows suffered because of that, because they had to produce X number of episodes per season. And I'm like, if you just did a serial, then you wouldn't have to, uh, like the British serial or Indian serials, like, you know, had a finite story that they could tell because the story itself was complete. They didn't need um, extra episodes. They, they already knew what they were going to talk about and, and, you know, convey. And they were given the allotted amount of time to do it. And that was, it was way more brilliant to me than American side style television. All this kind of drove me nuts. <laughs> but on the other side of it, now when you tell me there's only this many episodes, I'm thinking, okay, how are you going to get everybody together? <laughs> How's this going to work? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we we end on that note. And, well, you end on that note. I actually know a little bit more. <laughs> and, yeah. Because <laughs> you saw part two at the virtual premiere. And I will say a lot of people um, left. And they came back when they figured out that there was a part two that they were going to show. And uh, what was really fun about part two during the uh, the season premiere was that the crew and cast were actually on the chat with us. So that some lovely exchanges with uh, Mrs. Green as well as uh, Wilson Cruz and um, Anson Mount made an appearance uh, and Jonathan Frakes made an appearance. Like random people just showed up and you're, you're chatting away with people and you're like, wait a minute, what, you know, and you're also trying to watch the episode. And so it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun um, talking to them and just bonding with them. They were hyped up about the show itself. And, um, you know, uh, just kudos to that team for letting us have this now, especially. Um, well, what else did you want to talk about for, what are your thoughts actually for season, um, episode two for the season three? Because I, I just want to know what I can say. Or, uh, oh, you know. like my prediction? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm not going to. <laughs> like, so, for episode two, um, so here's a broad strokes prediction. Uh, I think that it'll feel like part one, it'll make part one feel better, because, um, like, watching it by itself was kind of, oh, that was it. Like, it kind of ends, like, 
instead of like a thrown cliffhanger, it's more like it ends right before a week long commercial break. Right. So I'm expecting part two to feel like okay, parts one and two feel like a complete story, and they play very well back to back. Um, and as for like specific events, I I guess this is part hope and part prediction. I hope that the rest of the Discovery crew reunites with her in the next episode, or, or I guess they don't, but maybe they'll, like, Avernum and, like, Book and Sahil will, like, uh, try to fly out or whatever, um, and they'll, like, see something weird. Maybe fix a long-range sensor or two. You know that. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, they'll be fixing things, and then weird stuff will be happening, because in Star Trek, weird stuff always happens, yeah. so that's yeah. guaranteed. And the Prime Directive um, will be broken. Well, there's no Prime Directive anymore, I guess. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think Burnham might be told a bit more information about the burn, but I don't think she'll learn everything about it right away. I think it'll be a bit of a slow burn throughout <laughs> the season. Yeah, I think so, too. And a nice pun, as always. With... Yeah. <laughs> with... Um, well, with, I'll let you know. Um, I, I have some thoughts um, on the set and, of set set of episodes, and also just um, I'll let you know if you're right or wrong next week. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin it for you. <laughs> Did you have any uh, favorite quotes or anything that you thought was interesting from this episode? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, so my favorite quote for this episode it's very early on mm-hmm. right? when she first meets Book. She says. The only thing I can do right now is trust something or someone. And, you know, regardless of what faith you follow or maybe, I don't know, whatever fandom you may follow alternatively or like in alongside that, it's like we as humans need something to believe in, you know, something to inspire us, something to tell us messages that resonate with us and teach us how we might be able to go about being better people to each other. Mm-hmm. And so that quote kind of resonated with me. It's like even when you're in a desperate situation and everything seems bleak, you need something or someone to believe in. Yeah, that's a, that's a very deeper way to look at it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of layers to that. Thank you. I didn't think about it that way. There's um, For me, it was just that that hope is you. It was everything um, about Adil Hussein's performance around... Um, talking to Burnham at the end, but it was the way he kind of said that hope is you. Like he's, he really wants to believe that that it's her, but you can tell he's he's hesitant, right? It's it's yeah. been so long, so he's uh, he, he's seen that flag unfurl. I know. Um, I was in an, an uh, like a video chat with some friends at the same time that episode. It was and we were watching the premiere together, and uh, we all got a little verklempt and griped about the onions in the room because it was it was just beautiful and we were just happy to have discovery back on and and yeah the episode is not the best season opener for sure that's obviously season two opening where we get to see captain pike spock and number one come into the uh, to the mix but i am looking forward steven to talking to you about episode two next week and telling you whether you were right or wrong (laughs) at that point in time and I hope our friends will tune in next week as well. And in the meantime, you can catch Star Trek Culture on Facebook. You can also catch Culture Slate on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have any ideas 
about season three, episode one, or if you were at the premiere and saw episode two, please feel free to send us a note at our email address, which is Star Trek Culture Podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you and get some ideas on your thoughts as well. And we'll share them on air as well. Um, well, Stephen, uh, live long and prosper. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>